Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Well, it's so good to, to have you here at church today. Um, man, I'm excited. I don't know about you. Um, this was a great week. We were busy, but man, God is so good. Come on, we need to testify on a constant basis that, man, God is good. If you face a challenge in your life, what do you do? You just stop and say, man, God is good. You see why? Because death and life is in the power of the tongue. And if you start speaking the death, guess what's going to arrive at your doorstep? You're going to struggle. But if you walk into darkness or, or death spiritually, when we start speaking life and we start speaking light, Man, God changes things. That's why I like to proclaim the goodness of God. Just said, Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that today is going to be a good day. Huh? Although you look in, in, in your, in your um, weather app and you see 42, and it's like, man, today is going to be a hot, good day. Huh? <laughs> yeah, so it's so good to see you um, today. Now, we have been busy with a series called Volcano. How many of you have been uh, here last week? Come on, a couple of you. Don't worry, we'll do a bit of a recap today um, um, just to catch you up on where we are at. And man, I'm excited about this series because I know God is, God is going to ignite something in your life through this series. Not to be a dormant volcano, but to be an active volcano. And I'm going to say more about that today. But before I run ahead of my sermon, let me just start out with a story. So the story goes, a quiet forest dweller lived high above an Austrian village along the eastern slopes of the Alps. The old gentleman had been hired many years ago by a young town council to clear away the debris from the pools of the water high up in the mountains that, uh, that fed the lovely spring flowing through the town. Faithfully, he patrolled the hills, removed the leaves and the branches, and wiped away the filth that would otherwise choke and contaminate the fresh water flowing through the town. Through the years, the village became, pop, became a popular attraction for tourists. Swans floated along the crystal uh, clear spring. Mill wheels were various, uh, of various businesses located along the water. Farmlands were naturally irrigated, and a view from the restaurants was beautiful beyond description. So years passed, and one evening, the town council met for an annual meeting. As they reviewed the budget, one man's eyes caught the salary figure being paid to this obscure keeper of the spring. So he asked, who is this old man? Why do we keep, keep him on year after year in our budget? No one ever sees him. For all we know, he might be doing nothing up there and just taking our money. He isn't necessary any longer. So by an unanimous vote, they cancelled um, this old man's service. For several weeks, nothing changed. But early autumn, the spring began and, the sh and to shed their leaves, the small branches snapped off and fell into the pools, hindering the rushing flow of sparkling water. And then one afternoon, someone noticed a slight yellowish-brown tint in the spring. A couple of days later, the water was much darker. And within another week, a slimy form covered the sections of water along the banks, and a foul odor was soon detected. The swans left, the tourists left, and soon disease and sickness also started to affect the village. Quickly, the, the embarrassed city council 
called another special meeting, realizing their fatal error in judgment. They hired back the old keeper of the spring, and within a few weeks, the beautiful river began to clear up, and once again, new life returned to the picture-perfect town in Alps. Beautiful old story, isn't it? But this is not just a story, it is an illustration of the times we're living in. What this keeper of the springs meant to the Swiss village, so do Christians mean to the world around them. It's quite a Sela moment, Sela's pause and think moment. Do I keep the debris away? Do I clear the water around me for the people that drink from the spring? You see, as Christians and Christian ambassadors, we are assigned the position of influencing and impacting the world. But unfortunately, not like this old man. What do you mean, Henny? You see, Jesus called us not to stay up in the mountains. He called us to be frontliners, to be in it where people are at. Not to hide away, but to still clear the waters, bring, make an impact where the people are at. See, if we read the Bible, we will clearly see that it was never Jesus' idea Never. It was never his idea for us to live in isolation, to live separated from the world up on a mountain. Who heard the saying, spread the gospel and if necessary, use some words? Come on, we all use it every now and then. But you know, that wasn't Jesus' plan. You see, death and life is the power of the tongue. Sometimes when you speak, change comes. No, I'm not saying that this, this, is, this truth is not worthwhile. It is illustrating Jesus. That's what it is all about. It's illustrating a lifestyle that changes people without saying something. But I truly believe that God has called us to say something, to speak life, not just to sit in a muddy water and not asking someone to help me clean it. We need to say something. See, there's a truth in this, but we can't hide behind. I don't have to say anything. We can't hide behind it. We need to make an impact. Yet we are called to make an impact. Did you know that? All of us sitting here this morning, all of the people dwelling in this town and in our country, we are called to make an impact in life. I don't want to die one day and, and, and they don't know what to put on my gravestone. I want them to say, wow, he made an impact that was Amazing, and look how many people's lives changed because of the impact that he made. That's what I want people to say. I might, might have an impact on one person that changed thousands of people's lives. I want to be the Barnabas to Paul. If it wasn't for Barnabas, we wouldn't have heard about Paul today. And Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Paul planted hundreds of churches because of Barnabas. One man's life. I want to make an impact. I don't know about you. Now, it is possible to live, and I mean truly live, for the kingdom. You can't live for the kingdom in private. We need to live the kingdom within family, within community. See, we're called to make a difference by influencing and impacting the world around us, just like in a volcano. Now, we spoke about that last week, and I want to quickly give you a bit of a recap. What is the series all about? Now, during our prayer and fast time about two, three weeks ago, God spoke to me very clearly and He showed me a picture of a volcano. Very clearly. 
And as I looked at that picture and I thought about it, I immediately started going through some facts about volcanoes. And as I was looking at it, God said to me very clearly, he said this, the following, he said, Henny, it is time to move a generation from passivity to eruption. When their lives erupt and break open with my power and my presence, they will impact everything around them. And I don't know about you, but it really stuck to my heart. It said, wow, am I making an impact on people in my life so that they can make an impact on others? Or am I just sitting there? Like I said last week, you're just one of those volcanoes. It's nice green grass around. Hey, there's a little bit of cloud, maybe a little bit of smoke. I'm quite happy smelling the flowers. It's amazing, but don't let me erupt. Don't make me mess up the nice picture around me here. But I've got news for you. God created you to erupt with Him. Now, we said last week when a volcano erupts, it can have a danger zone of about 30 kilometers. If you're in that zone of 30 kilometers, you die. That's, that's the short and long of it. But the amazing thing that I got to is that, that a volcano has an impact on the environment 160 kilometers around the volcano. It's got a dramatic impact on that, on that environment. And when I saw that, I realized, wow, God has called me to make an impact, not just on a little pool around me, but on, on the greater pool around me. When you throw a stone in the water, it makes a ripple effect. May our lives have a ripple effect as we make waves wherever we go. You don't have to be the loud one shouting from the street corners, but one hug and say, man, you are so amazing, can make an impact in people's lives. Now, erupting volcanoes also triggers tsunamis. I don't know if everybody's seen a tsunami before. It triggers flash floods, earthquakes, mud flows, and rock falls. And the impact of a volcano is devastating. It's got an impact. You, you don't have a volcano that's erupting and there's no impact. There is, there has to be impact when a volcano erupts. Now, when we let God erupt through and from our lives, the impact on the people around us need to be life-changing. God has given us, every one of us, something that to bring a life-changing impact in others' lives. You just need to find it yet. You just need to find Him. And as God comes and overflows in us, man, some amazing things happen. Our core scripture for the series is the following. Uh, 1 John 4 verse 4, it says, He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So my first question looking at the scriptures, but who is in me? What is in me? What is the impact of him in me? You see, if we think about this, this scripture, a lot of stuff opens up for us. What God was giving each of us has the impact power of magma bursting through the surface of your life, touching everything around you. You see, it's time for Christians to let the power of God touch the generation through their lives. I want the generation to be touched through my life. I want that. Now, this week I found some more interesting facts about volcanoes. And man, it's amazing every time I started looking and I started looking, I mean, God just starts opening a couple of more stuff to me. So, so here it is. Number one, science have proven that volcanoes are formed only 
at one certain place. It's found at the meeting point of the earth's tectonic plates. So when the tectonic plates move together, they come together as a puzzle pieces. All puzzle pieces together. And when they come together, they erupt. And in that place, in that meeting point, that's where there, there is an eruption of magma, which then later becomes lava. And it's amazing if you think about it. If we have, as Christians want to erupt with God's presence and with God's power, if you want that in your life, we need to find the puzzle where we fit. You see, tectonic plates move together and it fits like a puzzle and when it fits, it erupts in that places. And sometimes we, we, we float around and we never find that puzzle piece in our lives. You see, if we as Christians want to erupt with God's presence and power, we need to find that puzzle. We need to find that puzzle where we fit. It is one of the reasons so many Christians never see or experience more of God. Because they've never found that place where they can rub shoulders, where someone can disciple them, someone can speak into their life, someone can love them, someone can journey with you. It's an important place to be part of something where God can bring the best out of you so that your life can make an impact in others. I remember when I was, I was a young man, I was matric first year, I didn't like church, just to be honest. I didn't, church was boring and I always had to go with my mom and dad and so I tried everything on a Saturday night how to get out of church. It's like, man, I've to, I think I've got studying to do. And then my mom, bring it, let me see it. Uh, well, yeah, I have to figure it and say, no, you're lying, you're coming to church. So I tried everything just to get out of church on a Sunday because I didn't like it. I loved God. I got saved at a young age. But church was boring. Because of that, I never grew in my relationship with God until one day I walked into a church and when I walked in, there was a student congregation, there was amazing people. It wasn't just students, it was young and old. And when I walked in, I felt, wow, this feels like home. It feels like home. I felt safe, I felt vulnerable, I could be vulnerable there, I could share my life. And when I fitted myself into that puzzle, guess what? I started growing. I started erupting with more of God in my life. The first thing I signed up for was ushering because I said, man, you stand at the door and you meet all the girls. <laughs> Good morning. You are welcome. You are definitely welcome. <laughs> I mean, that was a good place to be until I got to my first um, usher meeting and I realized we have to pray an hour before. And so I went there and in that prayer time, God radically turned my life around. I thought I'm going to come and meet girls. And God turned my life around and I started erupting with more of Him in a prayer time before church. See, a volcano's temperature reaches about 1,250 degrees Celsius. A kettle at your home cooks at about 100, just over 100 degrees Celsius. So 12, more than 12 times the, the heat of a kettle is the heat of a volcano. So when that lava comes, when that mountain erupts and that lava comes, nothing can stand in its way. Nothing. It, when it runs, it runs. I believe that when God takes a hold of your life and you are on fire for Him, guess what? That nothing can stand in your way. No sin, no temptation, no habit, no thing that felt that has kept you back 
when you erupt for Him, man, God just fills you up. Nothing stays. If you struggle with stuff in your life, that's fine. Just, just become more f- full of God. Fill yourself up with, with God. Surround yourself with people that can let the pressure of the volcano build up so that you can erupt with His presence. That's what happened to me in that prayer meeting. I was surrounded by all these people. Man, they prayed fervently. I said, man, this is interesting. And the next Sunday, I thought, okay, I probably have to pray with. And when I started diving in, God started filling me up. And as I filled up, man, the pressure built, and I started erupting. Nothing could keep me back. There was no habit, no temptation, no nothing that I was struggling with that was an issue anymore. Because God sorted it out. Another fact about volcanoes is that we have three types of volcanoes. And this is quite interesting, and I'm going to show it to you. Three types. Number one, we've got an active volcano. That means there's a regular activity. We usually see the explosions and eruptions on a regular basis when you look at an active volcano. It's always active. Always. Every now and then it erupts, lava comes, and you've, you had the, there's about 500 active volcanoes in the, in the world at this moment. Then you get a dormant, dormant volcano. Now, these volcanoes have had activity and eruptions before. They had, but they went quiet for a while. And there's a possibility that they will still erupt. But because they went dormant, they went quiet. And then number three, you get extinct volcanoes. It's been a very long time since there's ever been an eruption, and it's unlikely that there will ever be another eruption. Three types of volcanoes. So the question is, how? How can we all make sure we are active volcanoes for the king? How can I be an active volcano for God? How can I bubble over, erupt with more of him? Because that's what we want. I mean, we don't come to church not to grow in God. We don't have a relationship or read our Bible not to grow in God. We want to build and grow and know more about God and hear his voice and and experience supernatural encounters with Him. We want to. I don't know about you. Maybe it's just me. How do we become an active, an active volcano? Not a dormant volcano. Some people are dormant volcanoes in church because I've seen it all. Hey man, I've been in church for 50 years. I know everything. I've been through every course, every Bible study, everything. So I'll just be dormant. I have, I have erupted before. But I'm quite happy where I'm at now. Maybe you're a dormant volcano. Maybe you realize today it's like, man, I'm going to become extinct because there is no eruption in my life of God because I have moved so far from Him that I don't experience anything of God. Maybe that's you this morning. Now, how can we make sure that we stay active for Jesus? Now, the man with the answer is Paul. And I said to you last week, I'm going to speak about Paul today, we spoke about Gideon last week, and today we're going to speak about Paul. Next week we're going to speak about Peter, and last week we're going to speak about Esther. So Paul had to answer through his life. And he quoted this powerful scripture in Philippians 2. It says the following. Paul says, and he's quoting and speaking about Jesus. He says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. 
He took the humble position as a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under earth and every tongue will declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Isn't that a great piece of scripture? Paul comes and he says that it all comes down to one thing. It comes down to your attitude. What is your attitude? How do you look at things when it comes to your relationship with God? And what is your attitude about that? See, if we want to make sure we don't get dormant or extinct in our, in our walk with God, we need to have the attitude that Jesus had and the attitude Paul lived by. See, the right attitude will enable the highest possible level in our relationship with God. The right attitude. The right attitude will, will, will make us erupt with more of His presence and of His power. Man, where you can hear His voice when you read your Bible. When you can hear His voice when you pray. The wrong attitude, on the other hand, will limit us to a lower level experience in, our kingdom, uh, in the kingdom and make us dormant and later extinct. I don't want to be that. And so there's a key that Paul gives us here. So the key is with attitude is it will either elevate us, it will elevate you in the kingdom, understanding authority and the power of God, or it will lower us far from our calling and our ability. It's attitude. I mean, I've been involved in sport for a long time in my life. And I've coached a lot of athletes, and I've been involved with rugby, professional and amateur. And every time I've been part of a team or part of an individual, I can, I can tell very early if they're going to be a success or not, because I can see their attitude. And sometimes it takes a while to change their attitude for them to become successful, or just to, become to, or to come to a place where they can work harder and then become successful. But most sportmen, especially now young kids nowadays that I work with young kids more, they don't want to change their attitude. And when the attitude don't change, there will never be success. Because that's what attitude does. A lack of attitude brings a lack of success. There's an illustration, a story of a journalist who sat with a man who just came from war. He lost his arm. And a journalist wanted to have a sappy story, he wrote writing about the man. And he looked at the man and he said, So, you just lost your arm in the war. How do you feel emotionally about that? Are you sad? And the man said, No, absolutely not. And he said it with a smile and he said, I didn't lose my arm, I gave it. You see, it's a different attitude in life. I didn't lose my business, I gave it. I didn't lose my income this month, I gave it. <laughs> I mean, it's a different perspective if you look at the place of attitude we come from. See, Jesus didn't lose his life, he gave it purposefully for you. He gave it purposely for me. And that had an impact on Paul that changed his attitude for life. That moment. He went from 
following the law, come on, this is Paul we're talking about. He went from following the law to following Christ and walking in grace. Jesus showed us an attitude that will cause all impossibilities to bow its knee to us. If you are facing an impossibility in your life, Jesus shows us an attitude that says, man, that impossibility can bow its knee to you because of the authority that I've given you. We just need to understand it and take the position. This is the position we take as authority over that. Because Jesus done it, I inherited it. See, Jesus shows, showed us that attitude. So I want to look at three attitudes of Paul, just quickly as I end this morning. Three attitudes of Paul, when we look at his life, attitudes, and, and, and attitudes in his life that made him to constantly erupt for God. I mean, that was Paul. If you look at the Bible and you read everything he wrote, man, this guy was on fire for God. He was amazing. Now, number one, Paul knew his content. He knew his content. And it might not say, sound right. He, he, Paul was also content. But he knew his content. Look at the scripture. Galatians 2.20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Awesome scripture. You see, Paul says, if we truly are filled by God, if you are filled by God, filled up with more of Him, we cannot live for ourselves anymore. We have to make an impact on people around us. It's the same with a volcano. It's filled with magma and it creates, I mean, it is created. Its calling is to erupt. Why? Because it is filled with magma. <laughs> it's not filled with flowers or honey. It is filled with magma that makes an impact. And the question this morning is, what are you filled with? What are your life filled with? Netflix? Bry? It's a good one, though. I mean, it's a good question for us to ask. What fills your life up? Social media? None of those stuff are bad stuff. I'm just saying, does it fill your life up so that you erupt with it? Or is there more of God that fills your life up so that you erupt with Him? Paul says we need to make sure we know that it is Christ who fills us. That's what he says. And it is Christ who flows from our lives and touch others. I want that. Did you know that the scientists also believe that volcanoes is essential for life on the planet? Essential. Why? Because they believe that volcanoes created the Earth's atmosphere by releasing water vapor, sulfur dioxide, carbon dioxide, and nitrogen. And because of the combination of those things, it created the atmosphere. And even today, it is crucial for volcanoes to release sulfur dioxide, and it's got a process that helps with the, with the climate. But it's also important for us as believers to know our content. What is your content? What are you filled with? Our content is the fullness of God. Because when we release that content and the fullness of God, guess what? It's got an impact on the spiritual atmosphere around us. 
You can walk into a room and suddenly the atmosphere changes. Why? Because there's something you're carrying. There's something that you release from your life. Number two, Paul was convinced. He was convinced. Look at the scripture, Romans 8. Christ lives within me, so even though my body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Here we go again. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit <laughs> living within you. You see, Paul was convinced of the power that was made available for us through Christ. He was convinced of it. Convinced of it. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. It lives in you. It lives in me. And we have, be, we have made, the, made to become the righteousness of God in Christ. See, the same Spirit, the same resurrection power, the same miraculous, miracle-working power, and the same life-giving power is within you. It's within me. When you, when you acknowledge Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you pray that prayer, God filled you with something unique. Now, Paul was convinced of this truth. He was convinced of it. He was convinced that with, with and, and he was convicted so much with it that he planted church after church after church preaching this truth, doing signs, wonders, miracles wherever he went, being in shipwreck after shipwreck, being stoned to death two or three times, and then just wake up. Zombie apocalypse kind of stuff, you know. Snake bite him, just throw the snake off into the fire. See, he was convinced of this because he was filled with more of God than ever before. I remember when I caught this revelation in my life that I've carried the authority of God in my life. Barker will remember, I was the spiritual house oversight of the rugby raisers in Poch. About 500 guys studying rugby. I mean, is that like a cause? Eh? And um, so every night the first year comes in and I had to close off with a spiritual little message. But I wasn't allowed to speak about salvation. I just about to, I can just motivate them and then I have to go to bed. And then I come in, I chase all the seniors out, all the house committee guys, and I've got like 70 first years. And I walked in, and I was reading about this stuff, and God has been doing something in my life about authority and miracles, and, and when I pray, such stuff needs to move. And God said to me, why don't you pray for them for healing? Because I think there's a few injuries there. Barker knows this um, testimonies. And I thought, maybe two or three guys. And, and it's like at the end of it, because these guys are up from 4 a.m. in the morning till, I mean, late at night. So I had them from 9.30 to 10. So, I mean, these guys are sleeping. I mean, they don't even listen when I'm reading the word. But when I said, so anybody if you're injured that I can pray for? 70 hands. And I thought, Lord, um, I said, okay. Shoulders, legs, knees. Elbows, necks, you know, I've divided them. And I started out with this group and I thought, well, I'm just going to pray and then let's see what happens. So I got to the first guy and he says, I said, what's wrong? I said, no, my patella is cracked. Like your patella, this little round ball in front of your knee is cracked in half. I said, okay. <laughs> so, so I put my hand on his knee and I just said, Lord, I just command this 
need to be healed in Jesus' name. Just that. Amen. And I was too scared to ask, test it. It's like, okay, how do you feel? And the guy, and he couldn't walk. I mean, the guys had to help him. So he took his knee like this and he picked it up. And when he picked his knee up like this, his eye went like this, like, what? And so he started doing this and he started jumping and then he started running around the hall. I was like, okay, next. And, uh, <laughs> so I started praying. Next guy, his ligaments and his knee was busy tearing off. So his knee was hyperextending. And as I put my hand on the, on the backside of his knee, I could feel how God restored the tendons in, under my hand. And like, I mean, he went berserk, started running with the other guy around and shouting. Now all the other guys are really excited. <laughs> the volcano started erupting because what God was filling me in my life was coming out. You see, we need to trust God. This was what Paul was convinced of. He was convinced that, listen, man, we are not just here for the tea party. We are to see God's miraculous power in our lives. We need to see things change when we pray. We need to see things move when we say move because death and life is in the power of the tongue. How much do you trust God? All depends on how much you are filled. Then number three, Paul was convicted. And that's probably the most important one and maybe some of you will say, but convinced, convicted, isn't that the same thing? Not really. Paul was convicted. Convicted. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 11. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1 says, And you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. You see, Paul lived his life from a conviction that he had of the love of Christ. He was so convicted of it. We all know that Paul was a Pharisee in training, right? He was in line to become one of the greatest men of the law. That was Paul. He was very knowledgeable. He was killing Christians, by the way. So, then he met Jesus <laughs> on the road to Damascus, and the love of Christ derailed everything. And it convicted Paul to his call. See, we can be convinced to change the way we think. But our conviction changed the way we live. I'm convicted. So I'm so convicted that I changed my life. I changed the way I do things. I'm convinced of the truth. I'll always be. But this convicted me so much that it changes my lifestyle. And the love of Christ convicted him to such a core degree. Man, his, his volcano erupted. He lived by conviction. That was Paul. Paul's life changed that moment he encountered Jesus. And that's why we need to encounter Jesus on a daily basis. He said, Lord, I need to encounter you because I need to erupt with more of your presence and who you are. Paul was convicted by his sin in that moment. But you know what? He was not convicted as much of his sin than more convicted by the love of Christ in that moment. I had a moment like that where I met Jesus in a vision. I was sitting and I was in probably one of the sinfulest places of my life. And I was in a worship setting and I lied on my face crying, couldn't stand up. I, I've told this before. And I was just praying and I was just saying, Lord, I'm so sorry for my life, sorry for the mess I've made. And immediately I saw Jesus coming, walking straight to me. 
And I was like, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I didn't see his face, but I knew it was him. Because into my soul, everything repented. Everything. I was like, Lord, I'm so sorry about this. And he just grabbed me and he said, shh, Henny, I forgive you. What can I do for you? It wrecked my life. Because I saw the love of Christ in that moment. I saw. It convicted me to my core. That Jesus didn't look at my sin. Mm-hmm. No, no, he just went, oh, it's sin, I've paid for this, paid for this. Oh, here you are, Henny. Come here. Let me hold you a bit. You see, that's how Jesus is. That's his heart for us. He doesn't care about your sin. Repent and go on and be who God has called you to be. See, we get stuck to our sin and it's like we feel so guilty and we get stuck with condemnation. Paul says, listen, I was so convicted by the love of Christ I don't look at that stuff anymore. Yes, if I made a mistake, I repent. I share it with someone and I go on. I don't waste time. I don't waste time anymore. I want more of Him. See, Paul, all the volcano erupted and stayed active after that encounter with God. The love of Jesus for every living being compelled Him to do anything to reach the people with the gospel. Anything. Now for us to make sure we become and stay an active volcano that have an impact on others, this is essential for us. You need the love of God. You need the love of Christ. Ask Him for it. Say, Lord, I want to understand your love for me. I want to see your love for me. And be, be, be careful what you pray for. Because if you ask God for the love of Him, or for Him to show you His love, He's going to come. See, we need to be convicted by the love of God every day, every day. I want to finish with a story of a mother's daughter got sick with a bacterial infection that hindered the breathing and swallowing. It's a very severe disease. And the doctors told the mom not to kiss her little daughter because it will endanger her own life because it's so, so infectious. And once, when the child was struggling to breathe, the mother, forgetting herself entirely, took the little one in her arms and kept her close and helped her not from choking to death. And in that moment, grasping for her air, the little girl said, Mommy, kiss me. Without thinking of herself, the mother tenderly kissed her daughter. She immediately contracted the sickness And weeks later, she passed away as well. You see, real love forgets self. Real love knows no danger, and real love doesn't count the cost. I know it's a sad story, but it's such a beautiful picture of true love. Of true love. I was so convicted by the love of my life. I want to end with this. John 3.16, the Passion Translation, it says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. And then He says, God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world. He already, God already took all His judgment that He had out on Jesus on the cross. But He says, God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through Him. That powerful. Jesus came to save us. He loved us more than anything else. He loved you more than anything else. God placed us 
all on this earth, not just to coast through, but to impact it with His love. God wants you to impact others with His love, to make that change. Not just, not just to sit around, enjoy Him, but to do something. To be a river that flows, not just a Dead Sea that doesn't have outflow, but that you will be a river that flows in and out. In with more of Him, out with more of Him. Amen? Let's stand together. I want to pray with us. Father, we want to thank you this morning. We want to thank you that we can be filled with more of you, Father. Thank you that, that we can be convinced of the truth of what you have given us, Lord, and that we can be convicted of your love and more of you. So, Lord, we thank you this morning that whatever is happening in our hearts, Lord, that you will solidify this message in our hearts. We know that we call to erupt for you, Father. We call to give more of you, Lord. We are called to, to make an impact in this world wherever we go, Lord, because of what you've done in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that we are called to live for you. We are called to live for you, Father. We don't have to be weird. We just have to love you. So, Lord, I pray that you will fill us with joy today, Father. As we, as we made a step, an intentional step said, done with this, out with the old, in with the new. This is what I'm, I'm, I'm being convicted of this again. And, Lord, I'm going to step out and say, Lord, what can I do for you? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of you. I will be who you called me to be. And Father, I thank you that every volcano in here will erupt with more of you, that your presence will arrest us, Father, and that we will see this generation get, get saved and get healed. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.